may be seated. Again, it's so nice to be back, even though I was enjoying that intense sunshine of Florida. You know, I, as you well know, I quite commonly, normally have a beard, and I've not shaved for years, actually. It's been several years, and I decided, well, I'm going to go ahead and shave right before vacation. That way, some of it will be back by the time I get back. And the reason I did that, see, sometimes, not all the time, my, my wonderful wife, she says, why don't you shave? You know, I'd like to see, I'd like to see your face. I'd like to see your lips. And I just love it when she flirts with me like that. Uh, and so I thought maybe I'd give her that treat. And it was pretty funny because uh, I, I've had the beard so long and I've been in the sun quite a bit this summer. I had a tan line on my face in the shape of a beard. So that was, uh, that was pretty weird. Um, so we're quickly growing that back. That has nothing to do with my sermon. I just thought it was fun to share. I just thought it was fun to share. I'd like to take our attention, though, today to the book of 2 Kings. I want to read part of the story here uh, in chapter 6 of 2 Kings. And I'm going to read beginning in verse number 8. And we're going to read through 15. So there's a few verses here to get through, but uh, I want to do justice to the narrative, what we're, what we're reading about, so that we can have... A good understanding. Second Kings chapter 6, beginning to read in verse number 8. The Bible here says, Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. In other words, we're going to gather the army and we're going to go here before we attack. We're going to be setting out for the attack against Israel. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, Beware that you do not go, that you do not pass this place, such and such place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once, not just twice. So Elisha the prophet, the man of God, keeps warning the king of Israel and says, Don't go here, don't go there. They're lying in wait about to attack you. And multiple times, apparently at least three times, uh, it saved Israel's hide from attack. Verse number 11, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Quite naturally, the king of Syria is becoming quite irritated that no matter what they do, they cannot get the upper hand. Israel just keeps disappearing when they're about ready to attack. And one of his servants said, None, my lord, none of us is against you, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dolphin. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Now this is pretty funny, that the king of Syria gets word 
that Elisha somehow miraculously knows what you're saying in private. And the king's response is, let's go get him. Is the mystery lost? Did you miss it? In other words, he has specifically told the king of Israel, don't go here, don't go there, they're coming for you. And his response is, well, let's go get him. Because since he knows where we're going, he won't know where we're going. <laughs> Nonetheless, in our last verse to begin with, and when the servant of the man of God arose early, the servant of Elisha, he rose early and went out. There was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? There's an army here, and they're here for you, Elisha, and they're here for me. What must we do? What shall we do? And today I'd like to talk to us about proper battle perspective. Would you bow your heads? Let's ask the Lord's anointing. Heavenly Father, thank you for this uplifting service we've had, your power and presence here that is truly touching our hearts, ministering to us. I pray, Lord, that your anointing would be upon me, the words I speak. God, let them be of heaven and not of men's wisdom. Help us, O Jesus, to grow in you. I pray it in Jesus' wonderful and holy name. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians, a passage that's quoted often, taught from quite a bit, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We are in a spiritual warfare, uh, that the weapons of our warfare in another place, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, Paul, writing to that church in Ephesus, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord, be strong in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, against his devices, against his imaginations, his machinations. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, just to stand. Even if you cannot gain ground, do everything you can just to stand up. If you get knocked down, do everything you can to just stand back up and, and, and stand in faith and stand with the Lord. Don't let anything in this world steal from you your faith, steal from you the gospel, steal from you the truth. Stand in the power of God. Don't stand in your might, stand in His might. Don't stand in your wisdom, but stand in His wisdom. I wish I had a witness right now. Don't stand in your own power or, or anything that you think is wise and right. Stand in what you know is right only because it is from the Lord on high. Amen? Amen. Amen. Stand with the Lord. I've been stirred in, in my heart over the last several weeks to, I believe, just share some of these thoughts because of what we have been going through in our Wednesday night service. Our series the last three Wednesdays has been about being victorious uh, in these spiritual warfares. And the last, uh, well, I, really all three of them, they, they've, they've had to do with understanding this simple fact. 
that when it comes to spiritual warfare, and of course in the Old Testament as we're reading here, it was a very real warfare. And if we're to believe the words of the book of Revelation and what is to come upon the, the earth uh, uh, and really what is already coming upon the earth, yes, there is real warfare, physical warfare coming against believers uh, of the gospel. And when that is the reality, we have got to know this. That the battle is not ours, the battle belongs to the Lord. That the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. We don't take uh, up uh, arms, we don't take up the guns, and we don't take up the sword to, to, to fight off the enemies of the Lord. We take on the spirit of the Most High God. We take upon ourselves the anointing, the unction of the Holy Ghost. We take upon ourselves faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in his word because it's not the sword that can save us. It is Jesus Christ and him crucified and only that that can save our souls from this world. Amen. A lot of us would like to save our skin because that's what hurts a lot, right? We don't like to experience the pain. But can I tell you that Jesus didn't really come to save your skin. He came to save your soul. It's eternity that we're concerned with, not the temporal, but we're concerned with the eternal. And so when we're fighting this warfare, we must have this proper perspective. We're not here to save our flesh. We're here to save our soul. And the only way we can do that is to recognize the battle does not belong to us. The battle belongs to God. Hey, on 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 your, your place of employment, wherever it is you work, you've got conflict, say amen. You got people that, that grind your gears, say amen. You got issues there. You know what? The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. For, for those who are in school, maybe some children here, or, or maybe you just remember the days where people are challenging your faith. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. You've got conflict in your family, issues of communication, can't get along, amen. Anybody got disobedient kids? Anybody got troubled uh, uh, loved ones? Anybody got troubled people in their family? The battle if I can encourage you right now, the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Amen. I've been, uh, even while on vacation, even though I enjoyed it, I've been so troubled, so troubled, as I'm sure you have, by everything that is going on in Afghanistan. And as I mentioned earlier, this has been 20 years. It's been my entire adult life, and part of me, really wanted to spend my time today, what, what short time I have of your attention every week, and just, just blow my top. You know, just rail against all the, 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 the foolishness that has gone on. And, and, I, and I, wanna, I do want to say this, that it, I think, is an error to point the finger at only one person. It's been every administration that has done colossal things wrong in this, in this conflict. Uh, um, perhaps how it's ending is almost the most, most unimaginable bad way that it could end. Perhaps that is very, very true. Uh, but it's just error built upon error built upon error, and it just makes me heartbroken. It just makes me so sad to watch uh, uh, these people and to see this trouble and to realize that our government will not send in troops to save literally tens of thousands of people that are our citizens or that people that have helped us or Christians there trying to spread the gospel and we won't go 
and get them. I mean, unbelievably heartbreaking that we are facing a, a, such a situation right now where, where I, the, the estimates have ranged that I have heard, and I don't know, but, but the estimates have ranged from what I've heard from 10,000 to 40,000 people that, that are, are, are connected with us and our efforts there and our country, and we won't go get them. To think that so many of them may die, may die, and yet this whole conflict started over just 3,000 Americans dying. And in just the evacuation, we may lose more. Now, now, that's a horrible thing, but wanting, in looking at all of that, wanting to just blow my top and, and, and yell and rant and rave at everything, you know, what I, even though I wanted to spend a lot of time doing that, what I really do realize today is that doesn't help you. It doesn't really help me, and it doesn't help them. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen? amen. Even though it might make me feel good in my flesh, it doesn't help you. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help them. But what can really help is a recognition that that battle, it's not mine. That battle, it's not yours. And I know on paper it might be a battle and a conflict between the United States government, uh, between NATO, and between the Taliban. But in reality, folks, for us today, this is the truth. The battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. And if there's anyone that can deliver and help those tens of thousands of people that need help today, it is God Almighty. The battle is not ours. Can I get an amen? The battle is the Lord's. And if you want to help over there get on your knees and pray that God would send deliverance and God would send a mighty hand and folks there can be a difference when we put our faith in him and our faith in the goodness of mankind just this week the Nazarene fund from Wednesday to Friday in literally 48 hours in less than 48 hours raised to 20 million dollars to bring planes to bring troopers uh, without the permission without the regard of the US government to send in people and find Christians they have a list of 5,000 names that they're going to endeavor to bring out of that place in Two days that kind of money was raised. And the only way for something like that to happen is for the Spirit of God, for compassion to move upon people, for God to stir up hearts and to change people's lives. That's not something that just one person can do. That's not something that Dan can do, that you can do. But it's something that God can do, and it is his battle that he can win, that he can fight. Hallelujah. 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 Amen, amen, amen. Many of you will remember when David faced down Goliath. And here he is, just the teenage boy. And he's facing this nine-foot, nine-inch, war-ridden doofus. I mean, what are you going to say, right? What are you going to say? Well, David, you see, it wasn't him speaking. When he faced the, the bear and he faced the lion prior to this battle, he recognized the spirit of the Lord came upon me. Right. It was a threat to the sheep. It was a threat to my family and to their livelihood. It was a threat to my life. But it wasn't me that fought that battle. The spirit of God came upon me and I grabbed that lion by its beard and I smote him. 
And he said, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. It's not because of my might. It's not because of my spirit. It's my power. It's because of the spirit of God that we can overcome our issues in this life. Whether it's personal conflict, uh, afflictions of the body. Anyone here ever been miraculously healed? I'm a witness to that, that God can do it. God has done it. God still does it, and God will do it tomorrow. God can and will and does do it. But it's not because of me. It's not because of you. It's not because of the doctor. The battle was the Lord's, and it was him that won the day. It was him that healed the body. It was him that did the work. 2 Chronicles, this is the scripture, of course, that we had just this last Wednesday, if it sounds familiar and you were here. And he said, listen, all of you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. If you weren't there Wednesday, the story, the backstory here is that uh, Unbeknownst to Jehoshaphat, the king, unbeknownst to the people, there was a very quick moving of armies that had collaborated to come against Israel, to come, or to come against Judah, rather, to come against the people to spoil them and to win a great victory. And, and they did not have the numbers to fight them. They did not have the preparedness to fight them. And so Jehoshaphat did the only thing that he could do, and that was call the people to prayer. Call the people to prayer. And the prophet of the Lord stood up and gave them this word as they were praying. They were fasting and they were asking the Lord for help and for deliverance. He stood up and said, no, don't worry. Don't worry. Do not be dismayed. The battle is not yours. The battle belongs to God. And so these people in courageous faith marched out to see the enemy without spears, without swords, without shields. Walked out as an army. But it was just the people. It was just the citizens, just the everyday Joe and Joanne. And all of a sudden, as they were marching, someone has the idea. They say, you know what would be great to even stir our faith more is if we had a choir singing. Isn't it funny how the language of the soul, that's just music, amen. It just creates a nice atmosphere for us to worship, for us to get our mind on God. I mean, it's just true, right? Now, if you're feeling depressed and if you're feeling low, you can listen to Pearl Jam and <laughs> Sure, you can listen to, to grunge, and, and it'll, just, it'll just, you know, keep you going in that mood and in that rhythm, and it'll, it just will, right? I'm not trying to throw any bands under the bus here, you know. A lot of you know me. I like all kinds of music, but, but you know, if we're trying to recognize something here that, that life sometimes is just too big for us. Life sometimes is just too hard for us. Life sometimes is just too confusing for us. There is something so sweet about coming into the presence of the Lord and beginning to sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. There is something about hearing uh, uh, people sing songs of victory and songs of deliverance. I wish I had a witness right now. Oh, I tell you, there's this Walter Hawkins song from like the, the late 70s, maybe early 80s. I, I just love to hear it. And we don't sing it because... We just, I don't think we're equipped yet because it's, it's a song, I tell you. And it goes like this, I'm going up yonder. 
I'm going up yonder to be with my Lord. Oh, hallelujah. If you want to know where I'm going. Oh, yeah. You know that song, don't you? I mean, what a ministry. What an effect it has on our mind and our heart, and it just lifts our soul. And so here are all the Joes and the Joannes and just the average people marching towards an unknown destiny, but all they have to go on is the word of the prophet that, you know, the battle is not yours. The battle is God's. And they began to sing whatever song was most precious to them, and they began to raise their voice in such thunderous praise and worship to the Lord that it con- confounded and confused. The other armies that they did not even know were were just over the ridge. They did not even know that they were there and it confused the army in so much that they all drew their swords and began to fight one another and slew each other before Judah even got to the battlefield. The battle, what's not yours, it belongs to God and he can win the victory without lifting one finger. He can win the victory without without any of your blood being shed. He can figure it out in ways that just would confound our own minds. And Judah furthermore spoiled the army. Such a, a treasure was left of all of the slain. They had to take days going back and forth in many trips to gather all that God had given them without even fighting just because they had a song and just because they had a testimony and a witness that our faith is in the Lord. I began today by reading this story in in 2 Kings where Elisha is is just playing this, you know, rope-a-dope for you boxing fans with, with the king of Syria. And all of a sudden, of course, perhaps not surprising to Elisha because he's got an intercom to the king of Syria's bedroom. The city is surrounded. He is surrounded. His servant is surrounded. And, and he says, the servant looks and says, what are we going to do? So as Paul Harvey used to say, here's the rest of the story. So he answered, Elisha answered, said, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see them. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What it would mean if we could really understand that having God on our side, or perhaps better said, is that we're on God's side means we've already got a majority because God is a majority into and unto himself. And all we are doing by aligning ourselves with him is getting on the winning side. I tell you what, if you've never read through the Bible and you want to skip to the end and know the, the end before you've read through all of everything else, I, you can find out the short story is 
We win. God wins. There is victory in the end. He's coming back for a church that's made itself ready. And if you're in that church, you will be caught up into the air. And so shall you ever be with the Lord in paradise forever. If we could understand that being on his side means we win, it might change how we interact with people on this planet. It might change our, our, our attitude towards faith and our level of faith and what we do and how we move and how we speak. And, and Oh, I wish I had a witness right now. Opened his eyes and he saw that the, the hills, the mountains all around Elisha, it was just an army of God. So the servant's eyes are opened. And when the Syrians came down to him in verse 18, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. Funny how he can open one eye and close another. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me and I will bring... In other words, these aren't the droids you're looking for. <laughs> this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. Now, he led them to Samaria. And that's the capital of Israel. So it was when they came to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. It's amazing. They had a city surrounded, and now they're surrounded by a city. They led them to Samaria. So it was when they came to Samaria, Elisha said, Lord, open their eyes of these men. Lord, opened their eyes and saw that they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? He answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword or with your bow? Set food, set water before them that they may eat and drink and go unto their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away. And they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Now I took the time to read this entire story, really in, in most of its fullness, to express another point. And that is, of course, and they all lived happily ever after. Not so. The Syrians, this scripture says, the raiders came no more, but that doesn't mean that Syria didn't come anymore. In fact, it was just the next couple of verses. Benadad, the king of Syria, was stirred up and besieged Samaria, this city that let their army go. So we're just going to let you go. We could have killed you. We could have taken everything from you. Would have been easy. But not only did we let you go, we gave you food, we gave you water, gave you what you needed, and we sent you on your way. Benadad's spirit was stirred up at some point in the future. It's the next chapter. It's the next couple of verses. And they besiege this same city that let them go. And the siege was so terrible, the famine that... that ensued the, the lack was was such that people were buying and trading for the dead heads of donkeys and for the dung of birds that's what the bible says and they're paying an enormous amount of money just to get that to eat usually cannibalism is not far behind in situations like this the king of israel or if israel now is so upset at elisha 
Where's God now? Where's the help now? And really, he's just mad at Elisha. And I imagine a lot of people were mad at Elisha because they probably were thinking. Although the scripture does not say this, I can quite clearly imagine them thinking, why did we ever let them go? Why didn't we kill them there and then in that time? We wouldn't be starving to death. We wouldn't be killing our kids maybe and eating them. They've done that in scripture. Oh, yeah, they have. Why, why didn't we just kill them? Finally, Elisha comes back on the scene and says, you know, tomorrow about this time, the gates will be open. You're going to have normal trade. You're going to be able to buy and sell things just like you were. There was another man standing by, a counselor of the king. He says, don't be ridiculous. That's absurd. If God were to make windows in heaven, this thing couldn't be. If God were to make windows in heaven, he couldn't rain upon us that kind of miracle. Well, folks, I tell you this, God can open windows in heaven. And Elisha spoke back to this man with no faith, and he said, you'll see it with your own eyes, but you'll not partake of it. 24 hours later, the gates were opened. You'll remember the story of the four leprous men. They went out to the army because they were dying. There was no food in the city. They were dying of disease, and they were dying of hunger. And they said, well, you know what? we got nothing to lose. Let's go and find the Syrians. Maybe they'll have mercy on us. Give us a, give us a piece of bread. And they found the camp empty. For God had sent the noise of war into their camp and confounded them. And once again, without raising a hand, without raising a sword, God delivered his people. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. I chose this story because of the parallel I think it creates, at least in my mind, with Afghanistan. Why in God's name would we let them back into Kabul? Why in God's name would we let them back in? I've got no logical answer for that. I don't know if anyone has a logical answer for that. I'm pretty sure they don't. But I know God can work it out. Amen. I said, I know God can work it out. God can perform miracles. God can get thousands, thousands, thousands of people out of that war zone and out of that trouble. If you believe that, once you stand to your feet right now, once you raise your hands to heaven, let's say one more prayer for these people in Afghanistan suffering yeah, and in, in, in great doubt and in great worry. Lord, help us, Jesus, not only as a church but as a nation to recognize it's not us, O oh Lord, that has the power. It's you that has the power. Just one word from you is enough. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. 
God, I pray you help us not to waste our words and our frustrations, our anxieties on things that we cannot control. But God, help us to spend our time in prayer and in faith and in believing you and in building one another up. Oh, God, help us, oh, Jesus. Help us, oh, God, to have that perspective, that proper battlefield perspective, that it's not us, oh, God, that wins the day. It's you. It's your power, your spirit, your people, oh, God, through faith that can move mountains. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, as we conclude our service today, we're going to have a song. And I did want to mention about these tragedies in, in Haiti, Afghanistan. I, I mentioned earlier the Nazarene Fund, if you're looking for some way to be involved, I'd encourage you. I, I think that it would be a good, a good way to invest. Come on, Brother Aaron. And there are other ways to give. That is one. Compassion Services International is another. Uh, giving to both of those tragedies. Uh, you know, what we just collected for Haiti, and it goes as far as it can go. It's as much of a blessing as it can be, but of course our offering goes really to that specific church. It's not designed to address an earthquake. It's not designed to, to solve that issue, but uh, I'd encourage you if you feel that compassion, that tug at your heart, uh, there are ways to be involved. There are ways to be a blessing, and God can take what is little in our giving, and he can do much with it. He can do much with it. Do you believe that? believe that amen compassion services international nazarene fund just two i'm sure there's many others if you haven't been able to and you'd like to be involved those are just two ways you can be amen let's have a song let's focus on the lord for just a few minutes before we dismiss today No roads and alleys of home. I have walked hills and valleys high and low. I have seen much this world has to give. Nothing is filled. Inside of me, I have known many over many years. I have walked with kings and queens of their peers. I have seen all that they've had to. given me hope But you have got great things in store for me You're all I need Jesus you
Dismissal. That being said, God bless you all. You're dismissed in the wonderful name of the Lord.